Real Talk podcast. I am your host, Shane Gildersday, and my co-host, George from Flex Success. We're here to talk about real shit, factual shit, getting the taboo shit. Um, we're here to give you some evidence-based factual information to give you guys the knowledge and think about what you've been told previously, what you've learned previously, to maybe second-guess that, or maybe think, you know, hey, maybe I've, I've got it wrong. That is our goal here, to bring the industry to a better standard. Uh, today we're going to talking about THC, and its application with bodybuilding. But before we get into that, George, the diet doctor from the UK, how you been, man? Yeah, good. I mean, I always get a bit funny with these updates on myself because it's so <laughs> boring. My life, man. It's just training, eating coaching there's, there's, there's nothing really too exciting going on at the moment man i did do an escape room at the weekend i don't you've got them in oz like escape rooms we do yes i haven't been in one i'd love to do one like little adult adult puzzle things like you go through the little room trying to unlock the next room and shit and there's usually like a storyline to it that was pretty cool first time doing one of them at the weekend it was pretty damn cool it's in like these old like towers in a old like city called canterbury down in the bottom of uh bottom of kent um east of kent mate it was so cool it was weird it was like a, a children fun in an adult setting it was pretty cool but yeah, apart from that, that's the only exciting thing in my life, guys. So all of you listening, you can probably tell how fun and thrilling my day-to-day is. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We, we, did also... good conversation, though. we did just have a good conversation though, about some thing, interesting things coming up on your timeline, Shane, which I think would be a bit more interesting for the people. We did, yes, yes, yes. So um, uh, obviously those who are listening and watching, um, I'm now, what is it, eight weeks out? No, seven weeks out? I'm even losing track. Um, from the IFBB uh, Queensland show, and then was it about 11 weeks until the IFBB Nationals? Uh, but yeah, going across to Spain, going to compete over there for a comp. Uh, it's always been on my bucket list uh, when I started doing this. Uh, so when I went competitive about five years ago, it was like I always want to go overseas and, and, and do a comp. So this is going to be the one, uh, and what a beautiful spot to do it in Spain. Um, you know, even looking at accommodation there, like it's. Um, we're going to get a place there for like 10 days for like 1100 bucks. It's, it's um, ridiculously cheap in the city, you know, beach views, happy days. So we're looking forward to that. So now we're aiming for the 21st. 21st of May. Yeah, 21st of May, uh, which is going to be super exciting. Um, so we've got a nice little plan ahead for that on how we're going to cope with the flight across and, you know, um, yeah, come in conditioning properly and what we're going to do post the show for nationals so that's pretty exciting looking forward to that but yeah it's, it's um still working training coaching um i wouldn't say it was a bit of a, a setback last week but for me uh, my work got quite busy uh because everything i do i still work full-time too plus coach plus bodybuilder be a father be a husband you know so you know we're I talk a lot about with my clients about the non-negotiable targets for the day, you know, and unfortunately like, I didn't plan ahead. So my step, my steps for um, the average steps of the week was down about two and a half thousand, three thousand steps, I think it was. Um, so for me, that really pisses me off. You know, so this week was about the non-negotiables where I planned ahead. Um, you know, I've got my fasted cardio in the morning, but I'm just getting some extra steps in there. And then when my heart rate actually hits, 120 beats a minute, that's when my cardio starts. So I'm getting about 40 minute walk in the morning. Um, so then if my day does go to shit where I'm stuck behind a desk for, for too long, you know, the steps are already at, by the time I finish the gym, my steps are already at about 9,000. So I've only got like, you know, 8,000 steps to get, which when I train again in the afternoon, 
um, it's easy enough to, to make those up. So I have made up my steps. Um, I have made up from last week as well because now that I have been planning ahead and doing that, I've actually had some very, very fucking busy days. And so now my steps are about 21 hours in a day. <laughs> um, it's some crazy expenditure, that. That is some pretty damn crazy expenditure. I think it, the biggest thing for me coming in these last few weeks is being able to tell you to sit on your ass. Like, I, I see that being a bit of a problem. Yeah, yeah well, it's... it's you know, like I said, if if I don't plan ahead, it can turn to shit and I can't make it up with everything I'm going to do. So I've got to plan ahead, get up early, get it done. I'm up early anyway. But then, yeah, it can it can fuck me for when I end up being busy. And then, hey, George, you know, I've done 22,000 steps on Sunday. I've done 24,000 steps. Sorry, man. <laughs> the expenditure's just going roof. Going back to the Spain show, this kind of links into our episode, actually, because post-show, one of the perks of Spain, Legalized recreational use of THC. Hey, perfect post for celebrations, right there. Sitting at the show, fucking yeah, get into it. <laughs> but yeah, guys, we are talking about THC today, the application of bodybuilding. You know, THC is a uh, was a psychoactive compound. Sorry, the test that yes, psychoactive compound found in cannabis that is responsible for your high that you get and people experience. Um, I'm gonna whack my hand up here that I am not 100% over this with the application of bodybuilding. Uh, I do know a little bit about a little bit, uh, but George knows a lot about a lot. Um, but we will be talking today um, about you know potential pain relief, uh, increased appetite. Um, I know that for a, for a bulking season that that was um, a benefit for myself. Reduce of anxiety, the improved sleep, uh, which I'd love to do at the moment. Um, but George, let's get in on my man. So this is a little bit of a personal favourite subject of mine, so that I've looked into quite a lot over the years, being a recreational user myself, quite a frequent user. I'm not something I'm particularly too hidden about. I'm quite open about it, talking about on stories and stuff. Um, and I think that this is a quite an interesting niche topic to go into because within bodybuilding, like the, the routine and the lifestyle we live is so rigid and rudimented that there's not much leniency for outside pleasures in that kind of space. No. Cause the health consequences of what we do in PED use as well kind of offsets some of these fun party drugs and things that people use in their recreational time. It kind of negates that for us just from that risk factor that we're already taking on cardiovascular health, brain health, kidney and liver health, etc. So it leaves bodybuilders with very limited fun. Not that everyone should be seeking, you know, external pleasure from psychoactive substances, but for those that do enjoy them, bodybuilding does kind of pull us back in a little bit and stops these little luxuries like going out drinking partying things like that because it's not intrusive or intuitive sorry toward the goal um and thc seems to be a bit of a uh, a blurred line really within physique development because on the grand scheme looking at t- uh, thc specifically in cannabis now it seems to be very low risk and low cost to health um which is which is true to, to most of a blanket statement uh, and the thing that really draws us back into THC here is that people have this common misconception that it only does like one of two things. It only makes you sleepy and it only makes you hungry. And it's like a, a suppressant. And again, in most cases, this is to somewhat be true, but there are a lot of other niche, unique properties of THC and cannabinoids uh, as, a, as a whole that could be somewhat interesting to bodybuilders the further down the rabbit hole you go. Um, but I think it's just firstly cutting off like as an overview the, the reasons why people may think THC is beneficial outside of recreational use to a bodybuilder. And the biggest one that we see is PrEP. 
And as you know, Shane, going through prep, anyone who's competed, sleep is something that deteriorates over time. Your quality of sleep, your ability to stay asleep for longer, your sleep latency drops off. So it takes you longer to actually fall asleep. And the quality just worsens over time. And people, quite rightly so, anecdotally have found THC helps them fall asleep quicker. So as a, like a plausible route and like logical approach, they assume that this is improving all of their sleep. They can fall asleep better. So obviously that inherently means that the rest of the sleep then is much better as well. Now, this is the kind of talking point mainly for the negatives within THC that we're coming to in a moment anyway. Um, so outside of that, outside of potential promotion of sleep or better sleep in prep, we also have to think about the off-season setting as well. And the main application there would be appetite stimulation. You know, people want the munchies, people want to be cramming in loads of food. And when food gets excessively high, potentially this could be an appetite aid that helps you get those bigger meals in. But there is a plot hole to this because, as I'm sure you've found in the past, Shane, when you get the munchies, what tends to happen? Oh, mate, you overconsume and you just, you don't look for your, you don't look for your oats, you don't look for your rice. You are looking for those high palatable foods, man. You're going for the, yep. donuts, the chocolate, the ice cream, the Doritos. Doritos for me, <laughs> when I'm high, is, is, fucking insane <laughs> yeah the, the plot hole there is that as a bodybuilder off season wants to be probably you know serious competitors want to be taking that as serious as the prep itself and thus the application of being 100 most of the time still is applicable in the off season right so you don't want to be having to smoke weed to get your food in but then not eating to your macros over consuming on perhaps fats or carbs or whatever it is because that is going to have a play in your physical response in progress, whether you know whether you're trying to grow muscle, whatever it is you're doing. So binge eating or munch, getting the munchies and then over consuming these hyper palatable foods doesn't kind of work in line. Like the goal was to improve your appetite and get your normal meals in easier. And there are a couple of bodybuilders around the world who seem to do this quite well that are in like public eye, like Ian Valier, someone to talk about. He smokes weed most days and seems to manage staying on point with his diet, his nutritional year round. I think that comes down to a willpower thing. And more of like an intrinsic uh, brain function issue there where people can either, you know, because I'm sure when he smokes weed, he probably still gets the munchies, but he has the ability to go, I've got chicken, rice and veggies to eat now, not the, grab the bag of Doritos. Yeah. So there is a plot hole in that. I can see it being beneficial for appetite stimulation. Completely agree. And I've used it for that purpose myself. Well, I, but you have to be very strict. In my bulk back in 2020, we used, we used weed a fair bit because I was consuming over 6,000 calories. I was only 105 kilos back then. And across that stage, but I planned ahead too. So yes, I was. I, I know that I get the munchies bad. And I was looking for those high palatable foods, but I made like a bowl of oats, but I made it with like um, Nutella in there and you know a little bit of honey and those sort of things. So it was still a, a, a sweet meal, but it wasn't too far off macros. I had a few meals planned out, and I also also had a couple of uh, these these um these these caramel white chocolate cookies from Coles here, and they are fucking incredible. So I'd have a couple of those as well because that'll give me that extra sweet as well. So all trackable, but I still had to be fucking onto it and like, you know, Shane, don't fucking touch them. This is what you got. Completely, man. That's, it. That's the thing. It's planning ahead. It's being ahead of the curve and knowing that I need to smoke to get my food in or this is the vice I'm using, sorry, to improve my appetite. I have to also understand that there is potentially a consequence here where I'm going to want to overconsume. So if I plan ahead and the macros align, there's no issue with the food you've just chosen there. Like you said, having them few cookies, so long as it works in line with the macros, spot on, man, no issue. But again, it's that overconsumption in that setting when willpower kind of goes out the window, the more you smoke, it's like a kind of directly in proportional relationship there. The more you smoke, the less you care about these sort of things. Yeah. So, it's funny because it's funny there's a pro bodybuilder, um, Brad um, Dwight. Dwight or what? Sorry, Brad, if you're listening, 
I can't really remember your last name. It's one of the two. But anyway, um, he's an avid user of marijuana as well and uses all throughout his contest prep. But for him, it actually, which, which one of the, they start to prescribe for now, it reduces his anxiety, but it actually suppresses his appetite as well. See, now we're getting into the interesting conversation. Oh, mate, if, that could, if I could get some sort of strain where it suppresses my appetite, I'd be punching bongs when I wake up in the morning for fucking breakfast. See, you'll see my issue with my prep now because the kind of availability of different strain types, different plants itself, and the, the kind of pick and mix choice we have in the UK uh, is fantastic. And it means that I can be this level of intricate within my selection of certain plants and, and certain strain types that are going to elicit different effects. And this is kind of the caveat from THC that people don't realize. I said at the beginning there, most people think you smoke a joint, you get really lazy and you get really hungry. But it actually comes down to a little bit more specific things than that with inside the plant. And inside cannabis, we have these things called terpenes. And, and essentially, they're just a part of the plant itself, and they will cause interactions with different cannabinoid receptors in the brain. So the human brain has cannabinoid receptors, and there's lots of different drugs in clinical practice that are a form of cannabinoid to interact with these receptors. Uh, things like benzo derivatives and things like that are first things that come to mind uh, as things that are in clinical application already that act on cannabinoid receptors. Um so each terpene will elicit a different response at a different cannabinoid receptor. So there are some that would be responsible for the increase in appetite that we see with the munchies. There are some that would increase that uh, like drowsy elicit effect of like calming metric and bringing down anxiety, depression, things like that, like from that psychoactive um, implement of kind of reducing stress production on the parasympathetic nervous system pathway. There are also, on the flip side to that, certain terpenes that just like you said there, Shane, someone who's uh, another bodybuilder who's smoking weed has found that this type of plant or this certain specific strain causes appetite. And this again comes down to the terpene that's found with inside the plant or the main bulk of which one is in, you know, more of an abundance in comparison to these others. Um, so I think there's terpenes like lysine, uh, myosine, they're the two ones that kind of ring to the top of my head. And if I believe I'm correct, uh, marginally, what's the word I'm looking for? Quoting the data correctly, <laughs> myosine mm. is the one responsible for that drowsy pulling down effect, and lysine would be the one that stimulates appetite. Don't quote me correctly on that, because I said to you, Shane, I'm trying to find a way of literature for this before the pot. <laughs> no prevail, of course. So we know that the, the, the plant itself, well, cannabis, and specifically the molecule THC, there are certain terpenes that will change the effect driven, right? So it's not always a blanket. I'm going to smoke this joint. I'm going to get sleepy and get the munchies. There are also certain types of uh, cannabis that have high THC content that can specifically interact with stimulatory cannabinoid receptors in the, in the brain. So they elicit a stimulatory response, a focus response, a creativity response. And um, so there's lots of different functions and applications of this one plant, dependent on the type, the strain, whether it's an indica dominant, sativa dominant. And now we have this merging of like hybrid strains that have combinations of different um, terpenes with within them to drive these very acute specific effects and this kind of all draws back to the clinical application of cannabis now um, of the main two kind of compounds we're obviously talking about with uh, cannabis is thc and cbd now cbd has heaps and heaps of clinical practice and application some that could also be quite beneficial to bodybuilders with anti-inflammatory properties being up there on the top of the list um, but it also has fantastic application in certain treatments of conditions. So THC would be good for things like multiple cirrhosis or like um, musculature spasms or any kind of disease or, or condition that's eliciting that response. And CBD seems to be more beneficial for psychoactive disorders, controlling of anxiety, depression. Uh, and then, of course, also there's anti-inflammatory properties and some forms of cancer. Now, bodybuilders aren't really typically smoking CBD 
dominant strains. Like it's not going to elicit the psychoactive response that we're typically looking for. So we are focusing mainly on THC here. So outside of this different different groups and class of applications we have now, it leads the question down the track of depending on the strain type you're using, could there be a potential application for off-season prep? or certain instances to drive in a, a specific effect. I know that during my prep, I was using a strain that was heavily uh, big on the terpene that was responsible for appetite suppression. And I massively noticed how that helped keep my appetite single in at bay. So potentially situational use, they could be very appropriate, very, very appropriate. But in terms of the negatives now, like we can see there's quite a few different reasons why someone may want to use THC, but what are the drawbacks here? Like uh, what is the big issue? Well, actually, I want to ask quickly, yeah, that is, is so these turpins are they very much specific to each individual? Like, have you found a strain that suits you, or is it that that turpin is going to have that effect on 99% of the population? So, it's same with everything in bodybuilding, Shane. This is the biggest the blanket answer and kind of the shit cunt answer that we always give. There is a lot of genetic into individuality between people. We always have to have that as a blanket that potentially what we see elicit an effect in the majority of the population. There's going to be ends to the data that don't get the same response. Yeah. But just looking simply at the mechanism of pathway of what these terpenes do and what kind of an receptor will get a stimulus or a signal sent from that specific terpene it is kind of blanket. This terpene interacts with this cannabinoid receptor that sends this signal. Just because your the strength of the signal sent may vary person to person. You may get more of a response on this this certain cannabinoid receptor than another one in individuals. But as a generalization, if you pick a, a plant specifically for a terpene that elicits you know sleepy feeling and drowsiness, it's going to be pretty consistent along most people, apart from one or two ends to the data, yeah. uh, and then dose, uh, and then also stimulation to the receptor site itself we notice that tolerance builds up with thc over time so we also have to factor in that is someone just naturally set point with a higher dose required to elicit a response there's a lot of other variables that kind of separate it from person to person we have to consider but as a blanket we'd say yes one terpene here will be specifically um good for eliciting this response here at this cannabinoid receptor and that should be somewhat consistent across most of the population Okay, interesting. So I just find the reason I've asked that is like because with Brad himself, like it suppressed his appetite. Like, so obviously he did get a strain that had this, but in Australia, we don't have those little little weed shops, those where you can go in and say, you know, we want this, we want this, we want to have this effect or whatever. It's, it's simply we do have some places where we can go get prescriptions for it, be it for anxiety, PTSD, pain relief, cancer. So we can go through those platforms there and, and suppliers and, and get a script for it but again we're not asking for a specific like you know i've, I've seen on the movies for example that these guys get these trucker hat and they go to this weed shop and they say hey you know, i want to go just want more sleep and they get it by this strain so we don't have that option here in australia yet it, yeah, it does limit you it does limit you massively um in being able to use it specifically for bodybuilding i guess because you're always taking a chance on ringing up the local dealer and saying hey what are you got in a minute bro and him saying like oh yeah it's um angel bubble kush cookies or some random <laughs> he's, just thought of, he's just sort of thought of it on the phone to try and sell it to you and it's probably just some bush ammy or something that he's just grown in his backyard you mm. never really know what you're getting at least with i guess it's kind of in the uk very similar we just <sighs> I think the, the the THC scene or the weed scene in the UK is just a lot bigger, perhaps. Um, so there's just a lot more of it. So we kind of have a bit more choice, but we don't, we, even we don't have those shops like Barcelona, America, Amsterdam, or, or other countries that have legalized. Oh, you know, I thought you did. No, 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 no. So it is still illegal to smoke 
uh, and sell cannabis. Um, yeah. I just believe the regulations on smoking it or using it for recreational use are very similar to steroids in the UK. Like, look, we're probably going to take it off you. You probably shouldn't be using it, but meh, it's your personal choice. Like, as long as you're not selling it and making any money that's not taxable for the government, they don't tend to care. Funny that. Yeah, they're making their coin there, haven't they? Yeah, as long as they're making their money, they don't mind usually. So if you're not selling it, and you're not making money off them without giving them tax, eh, you're probably okay just smoking a bit. Um, yeah, so we do have a bit more option of choice, but it's not quite, you know, like a big menu like in front of us that like you see in these shops. Um, but the, the problem obviously you have there is that then trusting the individual, knowing what you're getting is truly what it is, or even if he understands what it is, uh, and then obviously the effect that that's going to elicit in you, and it might be one that's unfavorable because deep in contest prep, although the sleepiness and effect of a myosin terpene that you might want will also come along with, huge spikes in appetite stimulus appetite regulation and, and hunger hormones going through the roof so you'll get the munchies and you want to eat now if you're like four weeks out from a show you're playing with fire yeah all right so it can be used the application for a contest prep if you get the right strain you can use it for appetite suppression but then you can use on the flip side the right strain again where we're trying to increase your calorie intake and or appetite we can use it in an off season as well so what about, you talked about inflammation before. So how does THC help with inflammation for bodybuilding? Inflammation, so THC wouldn't necessarily have much anti-inflammatory properties. CBD, however, will. Okay. The, the uh, chemical inside cannabis that would have anti-inflammatory purposes, which is why it's used more so in medical application now um, with some of the treatment of cancer, certain cancers and stuff. Um, but THC itself, like there's one big kind of drawback to all of what we've just spoken about, right? It's all good talking in theory of the positives, but we haven't spoken about the con much, but I mentioned at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it ties into the myth around THC, and that is that THC improves your sleep. And like I said earlier on in the podcast, logically, because you fall asleep faster after smoking THC, it's a logical conclusion to assume that if I'm falling asleep better when I'm really struggling to sleep, I'm probably having better sleep whilst I'm actually asleep before I wake up. And this is actually one of the biggest myths around this. Uh, and it's probably the biggest drawback to why most people should just avoid it altogether, uh, especially within bodybuilding. And I say this hypochondriately because I am someone who uses it myself, uh, but that is a, a risk reward that I am willing to take for you know my own personal pleasure. And that, that uh, big negative here is, although we see sleep latency improve, which is the time it takes you to fall asleep when your head hits the pillow and you're trying to actually fall asleep, we do see that improve. What we see in clinical data is that THC massively downregulates the efficiency of sleep. So specifically deep sleep, which as a bodybuilder, as a, someone chasing physique development, this is probably one of the biggest benefactors of you growing muscle is that recovery time and that deep sleep window when your body's really getting to work, putting in the grounds to repair that broken down tissue. So if we are taking something or using something that has a slight positive gain somewhere, the bigger counter argument here is this negative application in sleep. So in the off season now, I will try and reduce my THC use because I know damn well that I'm not eliciting a positive effect here that's really balancing the negative I'm seeing in sleep. So on prep, this answer changes because we spoke about sleep quite a lot recently, Shane. When you're on prep, the ability to fall asleep is very hard. So your sleep latency increases drastically. Once you kind of get to sleep, your sleep's going to be very broken up, very jittery in them latter stages, and you may get one to two hours of maybe good sleep out of a six to eight hour night, if you're lucky. Now, using THC in this setting, you will improve your sleep latency and you'll fall asleep quicker. We also see slight extensions 
in hypercaloric individuals of duration of sleep. And I've seen this anecdotally, but we know, and I can take talk of myself here anecdotally with the aura ring tracking my sleep data, that I see an inverse relationship there where sleep efficiency drops. Although I'm falling asleep quicker and the total duration is longer, the efficiency drops. But what does this mean for like the total outcome? Are we better on prep, not falling asleep as quick, having one to two hours of good sleep and the rest of it broken and shit? Or are we better off falling asleep, taking a lesser quality, but for longer on the end run? Now, this very much depends person to person, because if you play the long haul and you calculate all this and work it out to the very end, you'll come up with a quite clear answer. You will either be better off having a lesser quality sleep, but for longer, where quantity for once actually outweighs quality than you would in that other situation. Mate, where your quality I'll, I'll take choice two there any day of the week. If, yeah. I just, if I could just be in the bed longer, I'd be fucking happier. Because at the moment, you know, I'm going to bed at about 9, 9.30, because I was going to bed early in that, uh, as we try and manage my sleep a while ago, and I ended up waking up at fucking two thirty in the morning. Yep. Right, so now I'm going to bed at nine thirty, but you know, at three thirty four in the morning, bang, I'm awake. Like I've already woken up at twelve, got back to sleep, and then at fucking then three thirty four in the morning, I'm waking up again. But then I'm up. You know, lights are pinging, I fucking eyes are pinging, I'm up. So, mate, if I could have a longer, just, even just relaxing. Again, we talk about rest and recovery, but I just chill there. I'll be back, relax. I'll be happy with that. I can't. Yeah. Yeah, it comes down, like, anecdotally, I always say most people on those back end of contest prep are probably in, in a position where they would benefit more from having that longer time at a lesser efficiency of sleep in counteract having better quality on a shorter duration, just by the nature of how hyper-stimulated our nervous system is and just how inefficient our body is set up to sleep at that point any kind of positive gain we can get here is probably going to be a benefit even though we know from clinical data that it does have a technical negative effect on sleep and recovery um, and this kind of draws us back to the off season a bit here where we can start to weigh up in the off season what are we trying to do we're trying to improve our physique sleep rest and recovery pretty damn important part of that process so are we cutting ourselves short by using thc in the off season now i'll come to the conclusion here straight away and say yes every single last little ounce makes a difference in bodybuilding every single second every single day matters and if you are limiting your progress by using t well you are limiting your progress by using thc in the off season although you might be getting more food in you're massively down regulating your sleep and i would bet way on the like which kind of side of the scales is more important here sleep and recovery or your food well food's always going to have a ceiling to it you're always going to push up to a certain set point have to resensitize and go again that's always been the case and always will be the case. But sleep needs to be something that's consistent your entire life. So I think in the off season, I'm now leaning towards more saying there's better options for appetite stimulation than using THC for this purpose. And I still use THC recreation in off season. I don't say I don't use it. But now it's less for driving a certain effect because I know that a negative is counterproductive for the goal of the off season. It will just be a reduced frequency of use once in the weekend maybe or you know a couple of times through the week but that's it not the daily smoking like it was on prep yeah it's funny so when i've had when i've been high and gone to sleep like i've found that i've been more rested the next day like even though, like you said like even though data you know contradicts that i've still woken up maybe till i've been longer in bed maybe again what i said before if i could be longer in bed maybe fucking stoked so maybe if i could see it if I could sit here and do the maths in my head for you and just say it to you, you'd see what I'm saying by like the down regulation quality, but for a longer time, 
elicits better time of sleep than worse quality for um, better quality for a shorter duration of time. Like if you actually crunch the numbers, you'll see most instances where the quantity will actually outweigh the quality. And this it's very rare because it's never usually the case with anything we do in bodybuilding. It's usually quality over quantity, right? It's yeah. how we do things and how efficiently we do things. But when it comes to this certain topic within THC and that niche, it actually seems to be the flip side to that in those latter stages. Right, so what about um, reducing anxiety and stress? This is actually, so this kind of comes back down to terpenes again, right? Because it's not a blanket statement that THC improves anxiety or helps with um, neuropsychotic disorders. And we actually see in data, long now this is a long-term negative now. So we're move, moving away from the short-term now into the long-term. We can see that, okay, well, to kind of draw back on a bit of explanation to the long-term data, why we haven't had any, Cannabis has become really, really important, like uh, popular and fashionable, I'd probably say, with it around the world nowadays. With you know some big countries like superpowers moving forward to legalization, it's becoming very, very popular around the world, which is a good thing and a bad thing. Um, but so when we look at, I just lost my train of thought, Shane, we have to edit that. That's all right. What was I just saying? about anxiety long-term effects versus short-term effects. Ah, what how the fuck did i just miss that i'm not even on prep what the fuck sorry <laughs> yeah now when we think about the long-term data and we look at the long-term studies there's a big plot hole that we've had in cannabis and that was just lack of data as the world's moved forwards and as this has become way more popular and way more fashionable we're now seeing better studies done in this field of space and we're now getting longer term data for these health consequences that potentially could may or may not happen later on in life and one of the biggest ones we've drawn from the long-term data is the cost and effect to brain health over time so the increased chance of alzheimer's and dementia in those that are genetically predispositioned and i always caveat that with that end statement there people that are more likely or more prone to get these conditions it increases the chance of that happening later on in life and most of us are unaware of these genetic predispositions laying underneath the surface so long-term use is supporting quite a serious potential negative outcome so we know that as a general statement it is somewhat negative for brain health in the long long term so neurotoxicity and overproduction of the uh, overstimulus through these cannabinoid receptors elicits a negative response over time now in the short term and looking now at like current clinical application there are certain strains of weed that are used to treat anxiety and depression and certain conditions and rightly so because now it comes down to the niche of what terpene is in and what terpene is eliciting that response but it's not a blanket statement because you'll see some individuals that will smoke weed and they'll have a joint and they'll have the worst anxiety of their life until that psychoactive effect has left the system and dropped off so it's not quite the same as just saying yep thc is good for anxiety it's good for treatment of depression there may be a plausible use in certain strains with a terpene that elicits that response but not as a blanket across the board so if you're someone who has anxiety and you're someone who's considering using thc because you've heard on social media that it might be good for controlling it do your research first and if you're going to go if, if you're in a position to go through the correct measures and actually go through a clinical practice they will talk you through that correctly and you'll um you'll, you'll actually fine i'm trying to think of the in my head i'm side thought in there's a specific doc, dr carl hart i'd like to just give him a shout out he's done some fantastic mm. work recreational drugs uh, across the board um he's a big move he's a big supporter of the um decriminalization movement of all drugs um I, yeah. I'm, I'm a massive supporter of his work and he's the one who kind of in his clinic in canada i believe i might be butchering where he's from but i believe he has a canada in, uh, clinic in canada where he prescribes thc to his patients for treatment of whether it's physical uh, injuries physical diseases or mental diseases mental conditions mental disorders um, and again go through the correct channels is what i'm trying to say if you're trying to control a symptom or a problem 
don't just rely on lack on your mate down the road who sells a bit of weed go to the correct clinical practices and they will give you the correct information that's going to help you make this decision because again you might have high anxiety you might pick up a certain strain and it's got the terpene that stimulates that response and in you because you're already someone who suffers from high anxiety it could pin it through the roof so yeah. you don't always know your outcome well see i've actually got a prescription for my weed so i've been through the doctors they referred me to a place over here went and seen them done my consults with them so they've put me on that for my ptsd my only setback is that um, my work conduct drug testing and whether it's with a prescription or not, if I'm found with that drug in my system, I will lose my job. So, so there's a, I, I, would, I would have expected, or if this was in the UK, I would have expected, yes, if it shows on a drug test, you're, you're up for losing your job, you're in questioning, they're going to bring you in unless you had medical approval medical medical approval and clearance that would that would be the caveat for me that i would see a benefit here because you know like uh, op um, opiate testing in drug tests yeah. if you're someone who eats like poppy seed on poppy seeds on your breads and stuff like that if you eat a poppy seed loaf or a couple of slices before your mm -hmm. drug test you might get opiate sharp oh, in the system mate, we've actually had someone someone actually um tested positive opiates because of his nine grain bread he was eating every morning without fail but once we sent off the laboratory results for confirmation testing, they're able to see the concentration on, they're able to confirm that it would have been from consuming that day. So that was okay. But then you've got other sort of drugs with V4, um, um, types of autisms and ADHD and things like that too, okay? So that will come up with the drug test as well. But as long as you declare you had that medication and you've got the prescription for it, there's no dramas. You can be on that medication while at work. But yet at the moment, yes, you've got a prescription for marijuana to treat a mental disease with a doctor's prescription. But as you know, weed can stay into your system for 60, 90 days, right? You might have not consumed any for a week, but if you still test positive for it, even with the script, no, you're losing your job. You see, I can't see where they've drawn the line there. If you're using medications for treatment of anxiety and ADHD anyway, and you're using weed for PTSD, surely that falls under the same umbrella of treatment clauses outside of the drug testing regulations. For everyone listening, I'm actually the uh, I'm actually a safety manager for a company, so I do a lot with the drug testing myself. I am so against this policy; it absolutely infuriates me. I do not care what anyone does in their own free time. Do not care. All right. Well, some of them I don't want them to do for their own health and benefits and family and all sort of things, but if they want to do it, that's their choice. And up to them, right? As long as they do not come to work, because we, we work in a high-risk environment. We say so work, sorry, we work in a high-risk environment. As long as they do not come to work under the influence of any of those drugs, I don't give a fuck. But by yeah. but by government guidelines you under the influence of the drug will be it circulating your blood serum level but whether that's eliciting a psychoactive response at that point that's it the psychoactive response that's the that's the fucking it's point. Up for debate again because thc yes it can like someone who's used it for as long as what i have i guarantee if i stopped using it in a year's time if i did a drugs test it would probably still show up in my blood work yeah but it's not driving a psychoactive response it's just the lingering metabolism of this drug and how long it takes for it to rid the system uh, there's a lot of plot holes in current drug law man i mean dr carl hart if he's someone you've not looked into chain listen to some of his podcasts man he rips apart the entire like law or the whole kind of legislation sorry around wreck drugs um in in a few short sentences it's quite impressive yeah, mate, i'll give him a follow and have a look the, um, this, uh, speaking of the drug movement in Australia, because a little bit of a tangent here, something really interesting has just happened in the um, treatment of mental disorders, specifically. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so they've just approved. I think is it, it was psilocybin definitely got approved. So magic mushrooms is yep. a used magic treatment. Yep. Did they also pass, pass MDMA as well? I heard something about it. I'm not hundred sure. I just I just know that I've got other yeah. mate who's been microdosing on mag, magic mushrooms himself. Um, done a lot of research on it, and he's just doing it like going off clinical data. He's been doing it now for about six months, and he fucking swears by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've, I've used uh, psilocybin in the past, not for treatment of any kind of medical disorder, um, sorry, mental disorder, but for the nootropic enhancement effect that it has. And it's a similar pathway as to how it helps correct and manage these uh, mental disorders like anxiety, depression, PTSD, by enhancing that cognitive uh, performance and synapse pathways of neurons being able to pass more freely. And it's just the world of psychedelics, I think, is really, really interesting for brain health specifically and how we can mm. enhance our brain like we would a steroid in, in skeletal tissue. We can enhance the brain to work much better with these certain substances. Um, but it's, it's really cool to see psilocybin now coming into the market in other places around the world. Because I know in clinical practice over in America, the studies that I was looking at, they saw psilocybin literally cancelling out the use of all of these like current generation SSRIs and antidepressant drugs literally taking them off the market because it's doing a much better job, but with less cost, less negatives. Well, I mean, I don't really see any negative here unless you overdose yourself accidentally and go off on a funny adventure seeing whatever you see. But you know, <laughs> uh, the MDMA was an interesting one I wanted to ask because America are a little bit ahead of our time with that, like the monthly microdosing of MDMA for the help treatment yeah. of PTSD specifically. It's just because you said about it there, it brought a plausible reason for concern there. I don't, maybe that's something you should get into, Shane. Go and speak to the the your local person, whoever's handling your you know, treatment of your PTSD and stuff and see if you can get put on that register because the, the benefits to psilocybin far outweigh just you know, potentially correcting a condition here. Yeah. Man, I'll ask the question, why not? I'm happy to try anything. As long as I stay off those um, pharmaceutical drugs, I'm happy to it, it literally will take them out. It will literally replace most of them. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking well, awesome. Well, guys, it's been a great conversation. Um have to wrap that up otherwise it'll get too long again and you guys will stop listening but guys girls ladies gentlemen whoever's listening or watching please guys please comment share um tag people whatever you got to do to get this out and about everyone so we can share this as many people as possible we do appreciate your support but guys you could have been anywhere in the world right now but you chose to be here with us listening to us and talking some crap guys until next time this is the real talk podcast peace out peace